You are about to listen to a message from David Bendet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's desire is to see people lit on fire by God's love, His Word, and His presence. So prepare yourself to be inspired by the wind and the Word, and get fired up about what God's doing today. Today's message is Building Kingdom Culture, the Need to Feed Revamped. This is the revamp, all right? So we're going to revamp this message because we understand that repetition is the mother of all learning, and some of you weren't here last week and may not have heard it. And so I'm going to go through a few of the points that I made last week plus some new ones for this week, okay? First of all, this series, Building Kingdom Culture, is designed to help you understand who we are and what we're doing and why we're doing it. We're not here to just build another church. We're not here to just draw people so we can have more nickels, money, noses, people. What we're out to do is advance and expand the kingdom of God, and we have a whole vision of what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and what it looks like. And every year, it's important that I take time to set the course and the foundation of who we are and where we're going because a church must be built on vision and leadership, not just manifestations. And if we're going to build on any manifestations, meaning the revealing or the demonstration of something, it needs to be done with the manifestation of his presence. I want people to walk in and go, man, it just feels good in there. It just feels warm and inviting and so much love. And I feel his presence and the worship is vibrant and alive. And this is a living, alive church, not a dead as a doornail church. I want that. I want people to be fired up when they walk in here. And experience his life and his love and his presence. Manifestations of the Holy Spirit, like the gifts of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, also profit all of us. There's a a profit factor that comes when God reveals himself through signs and wonders, healing, miracles, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and all the things that come with the Spirit. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom. So 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says that the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the profit of all. And all throughout the New Testament, there's two words that are interchangeable when it comes to doing what we're doing. And that's the word edify and build. So prophecy edifies and it builds and God is building something. And as we move forward, I'll talk about the need of why we're building what we're building. I'll talk about the need for leadership and the need for kingdom government. And I'll talk about why God wants to advance his agenda on earth and how he's doing it and how we fit into that. So we'll answer the five W's, who, when, where, what, and why, as we move forward. There's a lot of people that don't understand Rock City Church, and they come in and they see me with my long hair and my expressive style of worship and the way that people come up to the front, and they think it's a charismaniac free-for-all. They think it's a place where they can just come in and just be out of order and not do things in a way that's conducive to what God's doing corporately. And I love it wild. I love it expressive. I'm a charismatic guy, but I want to be balanced and I want to demonstrate to people what the supernatural should look like in a normal way. Hence, we've coined a term called super normal natural because the supernatural should be normal. Unfortunately, most of the church today has made the supernatural abnormal. So if you hear somebody praying in tongues, you think, man, that's weird. That's not normal. That person's possessed. That church is a cult. But these are things in the Bible. And if you were to take out the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
and all the things that come with it, you have these gaping holes in the Bible. That's why we call ourselves really a full gospel church, meaning we believe in the whole Bible, we're full gospel. We're also spirit-filled, and we can also be labeled as a charismatic church, but not charismaniac, meaning we want to be healthy. So on Sunday mornings, you're probably not going to see Holy Ghost dog piles and fire tunnels, but you will see somebody dancing, and you could hear somebody pray in tongues. And it doesn't mean on other nights and other times that we don't make room for some of those things. It's so much fun when somebody walks down a line of praying intercessors that are praying the presence and the fire of God over them. Some of you never experienced that. And you think, man, that's really weird. Well, there's a lot of things that God does that seem really weird. But the point is, is that on Sunday mornings, we do have an element of seeker-sensitive, and I can assure you, our element of seeker-sensitive is way extreme versus most people's most churches' element of seeker-sensitive. And so we ask people not to bring tambourines and drums and flags. And if somebody does, not knowing, we, we send a leader over to kindly ask them to please not wave the flag today or play the tambourine or the drum. And we do that for reasons and purposes, not because we're anti-tambourine drums, shofars, and flags, but because we're building something together. And anything that's too much of anything can be a distraction. And what we hear and see from the pulpit can be different of what people hear and see out here. Okay? And so I want to draw people to the mountain. I want to draw people higher to the more that God has in store. And not everybody's going to want to go to the mountain. When the Israelites came to Mount Sinai and there was lightning and thunder and the voice of the Lord echoing from the mountain, they were terrified. Trust me. Some people are terrified of a church like this, unfortunately. Some people come in and they feel terrified. But I don't want that. What I want to do is allure them and draw them into the more that God has in store. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to challenge you. And it doesn't mean we're not going to shrink back from who we are. We'll lift our hands. We'll dance. We'll sing. We'll shout. We'll have expressive, passionate worship. And I'll even get in your face when I preach. But I do that because our world has fallen into a comfort zone Christianity. And our world has fallen into a, a system where man has decided what's right and wrong instead of letting the Lord decide, right? And so we're creating a place where people can come, where you can lift your hands freely, where in the presence of the Lord there's liberty, but there's also good, healthy organizational structure. There's got to be, and there's got to be healthy kingdom government. A church has to be led based on culture, not a policy manual. I don't even have a policy manual for my staff and the leaders here. In fact, I make the leaders here write their own job description. So when somebody comes to me with this great idea, I say, okay, how are you going to do it? Submit a proposal, and then I get them into process. But if you don't know what process looks like, if you don't understand our culture, you'll always feel like a stranger. And that's the same for the kingdom of God and being fellow citizens in his kingdom and in all that we do. All right? So that's a little bit of a foundational setup of what we're doing. Okay? We're building something, or rather the Lord is building something. And we're going to define what it is, what it looks like, and how we're going to build it together despite all of our differences. Can you imagine the differences that are in this room right now? We all have unique backgrounds. <laughs> we all have unique doctrinal understandings about the Lord, or there's things we just simply don't know. There's times I say something, and it just goes right over. I say the word kingdom government, and people are like, huh? Just the word government can be a bad name or a bad word. And many of us have experienced uh, church dysfunction and pastors that are controlling and manipulating 
or churches that are unhealthy and unbalanced, and then we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we say, I don't want that anymore. And there's a lot of people that don't come to church because of bad experiences or warped perceptions of who the Lord is and what God's people should look like. So we have a big task and a big job in front of us. So we're building something, and how can we do something that's never been done before? It doesn't mean we don't build upon a foundation, but I'm a big believer in doing something new. I like new things. And so Isaiah 42.9 says, Behold, the Lord's saying, Behold, I do a new thing. The former things have passed away, and before it comes into being, I'm going to show it to you. So the Lord is revealing, and he's showing, and he's building something new, something that we may have never experienced or done before. And again, we don't throw all the tradition out, but we don't hang our coats on tradition. We hang our coats on the life of Christ and the beauty and the wonder of who he is and what he wants to do in these last days, okay? Church has to be built on Christ as the chief cornerstone, his presence, vision, and leadership. Manifestations only add to, but they still have to be a part, okay? Our, our foundation must be apostolic and prophetic. So I've talked to you guys, and some of you are just visiting or may not have heard me say this, but there's this big war between churches and movements in the kingdom today. And the war is, are we going to be apostolic and prophetic or pastor, teacher, evangelist, when really it should be all five? But when Paul was talking to the Ephesians church in Ephesians 4, he laid them out in order. And the apostolic and the prophetic has got to be the foundational understanding of who we are and what we're doing. And a lot of you don't even know what apostolic means, and you may not really understand prophetic. I say apostolic, and you can think some weird, crazy church somewhere that has ap apostolic church in the name, or you don't know what that means. I say prophetic, and some people can think Dionysus and death in the streets and end-time destruction. And so at Rock City Church, we build on a lot of things. And for this series, I'm not going to be able to go in depth into everything, but rather lay out a discourse, lay out a foundation like a Lego piece, and show you guys where we're at and where we're going so you can understand whether you want to be a part of it or not. Okay? And so we have to be apostolic prophetic. Our name is apostolic. Rock City Church doesn't mean rock and roll 1980s, rocker, yeah, poison, Motley Crue, <laughs> or rock and roll, you know, worship. Our name simply means that we are the city built on the rock, and I'm a big proponent of building. I'm a big proponent of building on the rock, and the name Corpus Christi means body of Christ, Texas, and so I want to see all of you, all of us, and all the churches and all of God's people live up to its namesake. Hence, the city built on the rock, Rock City Church. That's how I came up with the name, okay? So let's just briefly talk about being apostolic prophetic so that you can understand what I'm talking about, and that will, will point us in the direction of why we're doing what we're doing, okay? Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. says now, well, first let me just set up. You can leave that up. Let me just set up Ephesians 2 for you. Ephesians 2 is all about reconciliation. Verse 12 says that anybody that was not an original Israelite was separated from the commonwealth of Israel, and they were strangers, and they were aliens. That's where we get the term Gentile. Gentile actually means a foreigner, okay? 
And so anybody that was not a part of the original chosen people were outsiders. Now, through Jesus, we get grafted in. But in Ephesians 2, it talks about making us one and bringing us in together with the commonwealth of Israel and to obtain the promises of the covenant that were originally laid out to the Israelites. It's all about reconciliation and bringing us together with the promises of God for his people and together with him. And the point is, is that all of us at one time or another were orphans. We were all orphans. And that's why teaching the foundational truth of sonship and identity is so important at Rock City Church. Okay? So it says, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. To be a stranger simply means that you're not known or you don't know the person. To be a stranger means that you don't have an identity. To be a stranger means that you're a foreigner and you don't have citizenship. It means that you can go to a land, think if you went to travel to Europe and you had a travel visa that expired and you decided you were never coming home and you hid out and you weren't supposed to be there and it wasn't your homeland and you constantly feel like a foreigner. And there are so many people that feel like foreigners with the Lord and they feel like strangers with the Lord. And God doesn't want you to feel like a foreigner. He wants you to know him and he wants you to understand that through his blood and what he's done, we all have citizenship in the kingdom of God. Okay? So we're not strangers and foreigners anymore, but we're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And so that helps you to understand that our foundation must be apostolic and prophetic, with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God, in the spirit. So God is building us together to make a habitation where he can reveal himself to everyone else. And so we're all being fit together with Jesus as the chief cornerstone, but the foundation has to be on all the patriarchs and the prophets and the apostles that went before us, and then us becoming prophetic and apostolic for the generations that are coming behind us. And so at some points, like I started recording little snippets of the worship up there on my GoPro and I know there's so many children. There's a reason why we have the children coming in here during worship so they can watch and see. But I want my children and the generations behind me. We're recording everything. We're keeping an archive and chronol chronicling all the things that we're doing for the generations to come. And I, when I get older, I want my kids to look back. Or when I pass away, I want my kids to look back. And I want your family and your children and the generations come behind you to look back at the legacy that you're going to leave of who the Lord is and how you live for him. And ultimately, we're propelling other people to be on fire and the generations coming up behind us to live for the Lord. I, I teach my kids inadvertently what it means to be fired up naturally. So we crank up Christian reggae. I'm grooving on the way to school with Cadence. She's in a couple day a week uh, Mother's Day Out program because she's only three. So we crank up some... Papa son, Christian reggae, and we're singing and dancing, and she's grooving in the back seat, and then I just feel the urge and start ripping out praying in tongues, and she's watching my every, I'm just singing and praying in tongues, and I know to her it sounds silly. I know she's not going to understand, and so then I stop, and I said, do you know what daddy was just doing? No. Daddy was just singing to the Lord in his prayer language, 
And it's so awesome because it got me so fired up. Yeah, come on. But notice I'm not pushing her. I'm not forcing her. I'm not making her. Many times I ask her before we go to bed, would you like to pray? She says, yeah. And we, she repeats after me, thank you, Jesus. For, and we pray for people here and we pray for the church. And many times she says, I don't want to pray. And I said, no problem, I'll pray for you. Because I'm teaching her the normalcy and the natural life of it. Because we're living epistles. And so my life is like an open book. It is an open book. So is yours. And so when you become something, you demonstrate something not in a weird religious way, but in a fired up, passionate way. And that's something that we need to demonstrate to each other. So what the Lord's looking for when you look at these scriptures is a dwelling place. Everybody say a dwelling place. So he's building something, and it's, it requires us doing it together. So we have to be fit together as a building. And I'll talk about the need to build in the next few weeks, maybe next week. But he's building something. We're building individually, and we're building something together. That's what Rock City is about. It's about becoming and building so that people can come in and be built in together. But the foundation, go back to verse 20. We are an apostolic prophetic church. What's the difference between an apostolic prophetic church and a, prof and a pastor-teacher evangelist-driven church? Pastor-teacher churches are all about everything has to be pastored, everything has to be controlled, everything has to be uh, behavior modification. So five points, five principles. It doesn't mean points and principles are bad, but it's more about behavior modification than it is being wind-driven to advance the kingdom and take territory, okay? And so I want this church to be built on, on the apostolic prophetic understanding and to teach you that it's the breath, the prophetic is the breath of God and the mouthpiece of the Lord, the wind of the spirit and the demonstration of that on earth and a place where the Lord's being revealed. So we're building, bringing people together and we're called members. So the Lord has called us to become members not just of a church. We ask for membership here because anybody that's going to grow into more leadership, it's important that you are in agreement with our vision and our doctrine and who we are. And membership shows me that you're more committed to be involved, not for me to control you more, but for you to make that commitment in your heart that says, yes, I want to be more involved in what God's doing here. Okay? But realize we're a member of, we're, we have church membership all over the world. And you're God's people. So when Jesus said to Peter, to Peter, feed my sheep, he was saying, everybody belongs to him. Okay? So we're fellow citizens, sons, daughters, a community, a tribe, a body, and a holy temple. We use these words because they're in the Bible. God's making us into a temple. That's why if you read where, uh, <clears throat> and I think it's in, actually in this chapter where You've heard the scripture, you're a temple, you're, and your body's a temple, and if you defile it, the Lord will destroy you. Paul is writing to a church, and he's talking about anything that you do to destroy God's work on the face of the earth. How many people do you know that smoke? Sin, can, sin and smoking and alcoholism and all these things can destroy somebody in and of itself. But what God's referring to is not that if I do something to destroy myself, God's going to destroy me. What he's referring to is if somebody is on a mission to inhibit and hold back the work and the kingdom of God on the face of this earth, 
God is going to come in and intervene. Okay? So can you imagine every, every person that has sin issues in their life that are destroying them? If I just came along and said, man, you are, you are in destruction right now, and God's going to just kill you because you're destroying your temple. Doesn't that sound funny? Because Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came that the world through me would have life. I mean, we can eat things that are poisonous to our body, for goodness sakes, and not even realize it. And so the point is, is yes, God wants us healthy. Yes, sin will destroy you. But we have a warped perception of who God is. A, very, a lot of people have a warped perception of who God is, okay? And so that's another topic for another day. What he's building and, and is... Uh, what he is building and built upon is a foundation of his son as the chief cornerstone and the apostles and prophets, okay? So we understand we're apostolic and prophetic. We have to take territory and advance his kingdom and establish kingdom government on earth. And we want his breath and his wind to be inside of us to help those that are lost and dying, There's two types of love. Well, there's several types of love, but there's two types of love mentioned in the Bible that I recently talked about, and that is agape love and phileo love. Phileo love is where we get the word Philadelphia, and that's brotherly love, the city of brotherly love. That is, you know, I like you. I care about you. I have a love for you. It's like Kayla is my friend. I love her, but I have a, a the, the love, like when I say I love you, it's different than what I might say to my wife. Okay, so it's not a weird thing. If I say, hey, man, love you, I mean, you can talk to me anytime and not even know me. And I go, man, listen, I love you. Okay, now I have an agape love, which is a God kind of love inside of me for God's people. That's the type of love you have for a spouse or for your own children. I have that inside of me. And I have that for you, that deep, godly kind of love. But the reference is, is I really like you. Hey, I think you're awesome. You're cool. I'm fond of you. I see so much in you. It's like, man, I love you because I see so much in you. But I also have a deep godly love inside of me. So there's agape and there's phileo. And how we love directly in affects what we do and how we serve and how we give. How we respond to the Lord. All is affected by the way that we love him and the way that we love each other. Okay? So if I have a, a phileo love towards God... It means that something deep inside of me is not connected with the depth inside of him. It means I'm fond of him, I like him, I believe in him, but God is calling us to even more. And when you have that more inside of you, you won't deny him the way Peter did three times because Peter had a phileo love towards the Lord when he denied him, not an agape love, okay? So let's just briefly look at that. John 21, 15 through 17 says, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus had resurrected. He's hanging out with them on the seashore. And he says to Peter, about to restore Peter, he says, do you love me? And he's saying, do you agape me? Do you have a deep, heartfelt, all-in love for me? Do you agape me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I really like you. Of course, man, I'm so fond of you. Just think you're so cool, okay? So Jesus said a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you agape me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Peter still wasn't getting it. So the Lord said a third time, 
Let me tell you, if you have a recurring dream, it's because there's something the Lord is trying to show you that you're not getting. And when the Lord says something to you repeatedly, it's because you're not getting it. Okay? And so Peter was grieved. Actually, the word grieved means he was offended. And he was, he was so grieved to the point of sorrow because he realized that, one, he wasn't getting something, and number two, that Jesus was calling him out in a way that directly affected his heart, and he was upset about it, and he was offended. So he says, a third time, do you love me? And Jesus used the word that time, phileo. Do you phileo me? He's saying, so, so let me get this. It's like a rhetorical question. So let me get this right. So you're saying you really like me and you're kind of fond of me? And Peter goes, I get it. And he says, no, Lord, I really agape you. And that changed Peter's life forever. And when agape love rules and reigns in your heart for each other, for, for doing what God's called you to do as a family, it'll change the way you act. It'll change the way you give. It'll change the way you serve. It'll change the way you love. Because it's not just I like you, it's I have a deep, profound love as my own family. And that's what, when God said you're no longer a foreigner, you're no longer a stranger, just a visitor, you now have a holy habitation. So fellow citizen means that I can come to your house and I don't just rent a room for a short time. It means I come in, I eat your food, I make your room my room. It means that I'm like a blood relative now. I'm not just a stranger. And I taught you about what a strange thing is. A strange thing is like a visitor just passing through that wants to inhabit in your life. But, but it's always a stranger and you never know. The opposite of stranger is to know and to, to be known. It means that you're now part of God's family. It means that you have purpose and a plan. And it means that you're part of something much bigger and greater. And that's what Peter was saying. He was, or that's what Jesus was saying to Peter, is that if you really, really have an agape love for me, you will tend my, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, and feed my sheep. Feeding and tending are two different things. And I briefly talked about that last week, but the word feed means to, means to come and graze together like what we're doing now. We're all coming here together we're worshiping, I'm giving you some word, I'm trying to get you fired up and catch the wind on this message, probably catch it better next service, but uh, we all come together to learn and to eat and to grow together as a family, okay? It means that I have a Christian responsibility to oversee and help all of us come together as one and to grow in the Lord, okay? But that's different than the word tend. The word tend in the Greek actually means to bring government, rule, and organizational structure to equip and train and propel God's people, okay? So people will come to eat, people will come to grow, people will come to learn, people will come for an experience, but at some point we make a decision to step into the more that God has in store for us. Let me give you an example. Peter would feed God's sheep on, feed God's people on Pentecost. He'd stand up, he'd proclaim this is that, of Joel chapter 2, and 3,000 people would get born again. That's feeding. When Peter was called to Cornelius' house, the first time to preach to the Gentiles, when he broke all the, the, the Jewish 
customs and religious rules, and he went to Cornelius' house based on a vision, he would feed those people. But when Peter writes the epistles, they were governmental structural order of tending and bringing God's government to the earth. So 1 Peter 5.2 says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. The word shepherd and the word tend are the same word. So we have to have shepherding. We have to have tending. And we have to have the ability that when people come and they eat, to get more involved to become everything that God wants them to become. So there's a difference between tending and feeding. Feeding is everybody can come and everybody's welcome. Tending is let me teach you now how you fit and who you are and how God can build us together to do what he wants us to do. But it requires more. And it requires you to understand this, this dynamic of membership and fellow citizens of a house. Okay, So that's how we build here, not based on, on corporate rules and regulations, but on family. And God builds based on family. Okay? I love this scripture right here. I shared a word with you last week where it says, what we do, we should do not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Okay? And so the word eagerly is another word that some of you haven't heard before. It's the word alacrity. And it means to be cheerful, and it means to be excited, and it means that we want to give all that we have, and we're always ready to serve and to give back to the Lord and to his people what God has given us, okay? That's where the Great Commission comes in. Matthew 28, 18, and 19 commands all of us to go and make disciples. The Lord tells us to baptize people and to teach them to, to observe. So there's a doing. So Jesus said to Peter, if you love me, you'll do something. And then he gave us a commandment. And the commandment is to teach, to train, to make disciples, not just believers, but disciples. Disciples are intimate followers who have denied themselves, taken up their cross, and said, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, no matter what it looks like. It means that we'll be obedient, not just faithful, but also obedient to do what he calls us to do and lay our lives down to remove anger, strife, division, sin out of our lives and to grow into something much greater than we've ever been before. So we have authority and we were called to go and Jesus said he'd be with us always. Jesus made it clear that the spirit of God had anointed. The word anointed means that you've been promoted, commissioned, equipped, and confirmed. Now every one of you has an anointing inside of you that the Lord gave to you to do something right now, no matter where you're at. You all have gifts and talents and abilities to do something right now. But in this case, Jesus is saying, I got promoted because I'm supposed to do something. And here at Rock City, we're providing an outlet to promote, to train, to equip, and to send people to fulfill the Great Commission and to fulfill Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Luke 4, 18, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So we see this pattern, the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. They're everywhere around us. And some of you today may feel captive to addictions. Some of you today may feel like you have no vision for your life. Some of you today may feel brokenhearted because of a situation in your life that went sideways. 
And this should be a place where you can walk in and receive healing. I'm being a little bit more teachy today. If you go back and listen to my messages on podcasts, there's a lot of times I just come out of the gates and I preach the wind and the fire and it's just so captivating and people are just running to the altar. But understand, I'm setting a discourse now. I'm setting a foundation so you can understand who we are, what we're doing, and why we're doing it. Because if you're going to get involved and you're going to be built together with us, you have to know who we are and who we're becoming. And this gives you the opportunity to say, I like it or I don't like it. I know it's a little sleepy here at 9 o'clock. Get some coffee. I don't know what, there's coffee out there. I, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll get maybe more fired up. Next. You should have seen me last Wednesday. Man, I was lit up with my message. But this is foundational understanding for you. Because many of you have been a part of controlling, manipulative church organizations that weren't built on family, culture, tribe, fellow citizens, a building, a garden. And if you don't understand where you fit and how we discover who you are and you don't get into relationship, you'll always be isolated or you'll break away to do something on your own and not be a part of the more that God has in store. Okay? And I don't want you to do that. If this doesn't fit and you don't like me or like my style or our worship, that's okay. I know some of you are visiting. Find a place that you like. Find a place that, and please, wherever you go, go to a place that's apostolic prophetic. I don't know what's happening here. Maybe it's my deal. Find a place that's apostolic prophetic. Don't just settle. Don't revert back to pastor teacher and behavior modification. Allow yourself to get converted into something that's more spiritual. It's easy to not be challenged. It's easy to go to a one-hour church service. I understand. It's easy to go to a place where, you don't, where no one's lifting their hands and you don't feel challenged to do it. It's easy to do those things, but God never called it to just be easy. He called you to step out of your comfort zone into the more that God has in store. That's why, look, if you keep coming here week in, week out, and you still don't feel comfortable to lift your hands, I'm okay with that. I'm just glad that you're here. Because something's drawing you. You may not like the worship, but you like me. That's okay. I'm just glad that you're here. I'm not judging you. I'm not, I don't ever want to push you in a way that you're not ready to do. If you don't feel like the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues is for you, that's all right. As long as you keep coming around the fire and keep it seeing other people and being taught the healthy way, the Lord will quicken something inside of you to want the more. I don't have to force you. Like I said before, I can't guarantee when Prophet Kevin Leal comes, he's not going to force you because <laughs> he's a prophet, and he doesn't, he's not out to be nice, and I'm pastor. You okay? feel all right? How's the coffee today? Is the music too loud? You know, I'm here to make, I want you to be able to come in and be drawn into the more, but when a prophet comes, he's just kicking hiney, which is why we bring the prophets in, all right? So we have a purpose and if you don't understand the purpose, then you won't get involved in it to become a part of it. And that's what I'm trying to show you today. There's people that are sick, oppressed, held captive, and blind. And there's people that are out there that think they're good that they, and they aren't. And that's what I talked about on Wednesday about the Laodicean church. The church of Laodicea is mentioned in Revelation chapter 3. Laodicea means people's rule. It means that we're doing it our way, not God's way. But we think we're okay, and we think it's God's way. And we lean on our own abilities and our own talents, and we, judge, we measure success based on our clothes and our material possessions, not on the life of Christ that's inside of us. Because the Laodicean church thought they had everything going on, that they had no need of anything. And Jesus rebuked them and said they're actually lukewarm. 
He wants you to be fiery hot. When he said, I'd rather you be hot, not cold, or not lukewarm, hot or cold, but not lukewarm, the word hot is, is, a, is an extra step from zealous. It means to be boiling, boiling hot. That's how the Lord wants you to be. So if I have my way, I'm going to get you so fired up and so hot, and you're going to come in here, and you won't know what's happened to you. And over time, you're, when you, it used to be here, it might get here, and then maybe it'll get there, and next thing you know, you're going to be swaying a little bit. <laughs> and next thing you know, I, you're going to be, you know, caught up and next thing you know you're up here and you know I don't know what happened to me I used to be back there but now I'm up here something's happening in my life and God has a process of doing that to all of us finally fighting against the pervasive issue of rampant sin lawlessness pornography human trafficking fatherlessness and the plight of the widows and orphans and those that are misguided on who God really is and how he loves must become our cause Fatherlessness, I believe, is the very core root issue of all the dysfunction in society. If you study the statistics of a fatherless child, they're more prone to live in poverty, go to prison, and to live a life of crime and destruction, and to not know the Lord because their own father wasn't there for them or abused and hurt them. And one out of every three persons in society has grown up fatherless. That's why the Lord calls himself a father. And there are people that are in bondage to human trafficking, drug addiction, hurts, pains, everywhere around you. And none of us can turn a blind eye to it. And if we're going to take up a cause, it's going to be the cause of Christ, and we're going to love like never before, and we're going to go into the dark places and pull them out. And this church right now, because of the, the, how full we are at the next service, we are running about 90% capacity at the next service. Okay, So we're, we're at a spot now where we have to expand or we just stay where we're at. And we can't stay where we're at because we've hardly done a thing. And addiction and hurt, we've never even gone to the apartment complexes and the homes of, of Flower Bluff just to ask people we could pray for them and love on them. And when we start doing that, I guarantee they're going to go, wow, i got to come to your church. And where are they going to go when they come? And so when we expand, it's not just for having a mega church or building something bigger. It's because I don't want to turn anybody away. And you may say, well, look at all these seats. We're not turning people away. I can assure you there are people that aren't coming. One, because it's 9 o'clock and it's not prime time. You guys, you guys are making 9 o'clock prime time, but apparently right now is prime time. So a lot of us drag into worship at the end or miss worship. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. Okay. But we're missing prime time, apparently, which I don't care. The next service is the service that's really packed out. We're running 90 kids. We're running 90% capacity. And if we add five, ten more families with two or three kids, we can't contain them. And you say, well, we don't see people being turned away. That's right, because they're just not going to come. So we have to expand, but we're expanding for a purpose. Who we are today is not who we'll be tomorrow, okay? Last scripture I want to leave for you is Isaiah 1, verse 16. Let me just set this up. Right before this, the Lord is saying, what good is it? What? Jeremy, you'll have to take a look. I don't know what's going on after this. Okay. Right before this, the Lord's saying, all your sacrifices, your church going, you're lifting your hands, all the things, all your festivals, all your things that you're doing, your religious piety are no good to me. 
You can go through all the religious motions, but if we're not doing something, we're not going to walk in the fullness of what God has in store, and we're going to miss his best for our lives, and everything else becomes in vain. We'll lift our hands, we'll worship, we'll do all those things, but we're doing it for a purpose that's much bigger than becoming an island to ourselves. He says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes and cease to do evil. Verse 17. Learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead the widow. These are all patterns. So we have to defend those that don't have hope in a father. We have to rebuke the enemy and every oppressive thing in our society that's holding people down and holding people back. And we can't just come in and pretend church and build a kingdom unto ourselves. But it's all in stages. Our church has only been here for two and a half years. And in such a short time, we're already at 90% capacity. We've maxed out 10,000 square feet. I know we could get more people at the nine, but it doesn't just quite work like that. A lot of you really don't want to go to the 11, and a lot of the 11 o'clockers don't really want to come to the nine o'clock. So even if we doubled our sanctuary, I'll probably always have two services, okay? And so I love to worship, and I love the manifestations, but we have got to advance the kingdom, and we do that by seeking justice where there's injustice, defending the fatherless, rebuking the oppressor, pleading for the widow. Verse 18, the Lord says, come now, let's reason together. Reason together is a covenant response of coming to a legal decision. Though your sins are like scarlet, they're going to be white as snow. Though they're like crimson, they'll be as wool. Verse 19. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat, you'll eat the good of the land. There's got to be something here. I, you think it's up here? Well, we'll fix it after this. If you're willing and obedient, everybody say willing and obedient. You'll eat the, fruit, eat the good of the land. So what the Lord's saying is, look, you can't just go through the religious Christian motions. I'm glad you came to church today. I hope you lift your hands, come up to the front. I hope that you fast with us. I hope that you'll celebrate all the, the Jewish feasts as an understanding of pointing to Jesus. I hope that you'll get involved and do all those things with us. But there's got to be more. And the more of this church will ultimately be to advance the kingdom. And we're doing it in stages. So if you said to yourself, where's all the outreach? Where's all the evangelism? Where's all the missions? We do a mission trip every year. We do some outreaches. We've dedicated thousands of square feet for those that are in need here and in the community. And we're going to do a lot more. But it's all about timing. We have to become something and build something so that when people come in here, they can get discipled and cared for. And we can do the things that God's called us to do. And many of you are coming in here and experiencing that life and growing. There's, there's hundreds of testimonies of people that started coming to Rock City Church, and, and many of you here, your understanding of the Lord and the prophetic and who you are and your identity as a son has grown so much. And I didn't want to put in this last scripture, but I got to put it in. It's verse 20. I have to put this verse in because there is consequences in our society, and most people don't teach it anymore. Sin will destroy you, and when we go our own way, bring up the next verse, verse 20. You have two choices to make. If we do what the Lord tells us to do and we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. But verse 20 says, if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. And the fact that he said the mouth of the Lord is spoken and his word is like a sword is an understanding that we don't break God's laws, God's laws break us. 
the Lord has already set into motion his laws. And when we make a choice to do contrary, they break us. And that's why if we're willing and obedient, we eat the fruit of the lamb. But if we refuse and rebel, and what's happening is you have a lot of people that are refusing and rebelling. And notice, I, I'm not out to bash the sinner. But we have to talk clearly about the fact that pornography is killing our society. Pornography, which has a root in the absence of father, true fathers and has a root in the absence of true love. I'm telling you, pornography, fatherlessness, those without hope, those that are held captive, we got to do something, guys. And you can't just go and turn a blind eye and make a lot of money and build your little house and your nest egg. The American dream is not God's dream. I'm let you all know. I live in a nice house. I drive a nice car. I have money in savings. I invest in, in, uh, in mutual funds. I tuck money away, but I give more here than anywhere else because my hope and my future is here. And what happens when everything else you trusted falls to the ground? I want to build on the rock. And we're building a house, and the darker the world gets, the more fired up I get. You have been listening to a message from David Bindet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life, and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay fired up.